Once again to King of Kaiju, a legacy, or I should say Monarch, a legacy of Monsters podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Doing all right. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you, sir? Good. Excellent. Uh, so for folks who are curious, today is January 2nd, 2024, that we're recording this. Uh, again, this podcast is a weekly podcast that discusses the television series on Apple Plus entitled Monarch, A Legacy of Monsters, starring Kurt Russell, among others. Uh, the show uh, comes out basically every Wednesday. I'm sorry, not Wednesday. Every Friday. And then we uh, record anywhere between uh, Sunday to Wednesday, depending on our schedule, and release it uh, usually on Thursdays. Um, so the episode we're going to talk about tonight is uh, called Birthright, which came out on December 29th, 2023. And so that was a handful of days ago and actually a different year and a different month. Um so what we do here on this podcast is that we talk about everything and anything related to the podcast, or I should say the show that the podcast discusses, because uh, we're assuming that everybody that listens to this podcast is a fan of the show and wants to hear varying opinions and commentary and whatnot uh, about each episode. Um, we do have a website, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. We also have an email, darkdiscussions at AOL. Dot com where you can email uh, the podcast. Uh, just put Kaiju, K-A-I-J-U, in the subject and then whatever your subject is, and then we can just uh, see your uh, email easily because we can do a search on Kaiju and it'll pop up, and then uh, we'll read your email on the podcast. And we just uh, asked to have Kaiju in the name because – uh, or I should say in the subject, because uh, we do get a lot of emails, um, not spam, but uh, the amount of emails we get for screeners and stuff uh, seems sometimes like spam. Yeah. So uh, it is always good to put Kaiju in the subject so we can find your emails. All right, with that, I guess we can get into our topic tonight. And again, uh, once again, it is episode eight of the television series, so uh, only two more episodes left. Uh, this one came out on December 29th, once again, and uh, we're going to talk about birthright. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's it. So, uh, all right, so let's get into our topic tonight and go around first our opinion on the episode. Uh, so let's start with you, uh, Barrett. Um, I like this episode. I won't say that it's my favorite all-time episode. Uh, it did answer <laughs> one of the questions I asked uh, Mike uh, a week or two ago about um, 
Kong versus Godzilla, Godzilla versus Kong, whatever, however order that goes in, um, about the inner world. So that was kind of interesting. Um, we got a bit more information about what's going on, um, which I liked. And I'm not sure. I, I liked it about as equal as the last episode. Um, so it's not in the bottom two, bottom three with those three bad ones that we had kind of in the middle. Um, but it was enjoyable. I thought some good character development. There was some good humor, actually some funny humor from the three kids. So I enjoyed that as well. It gave their characters a little more life, uh, than they've had so far, I think. Um, so yeah, it was a decent episode. All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty solid episode all around, uh, probably mostly because we got a lot of, um, uh, 1950s stuff again. Um, a couple of things that came out of left field, um, and kind of, I guess, explained things a bit, um, um, maybe even coincidentally in a sense, but, uh, nothing major to, uh, poo poo. Um, I, I do, uh, feel that the kids' importance to, um, the storyline is really not that important. Um, they're not really bringing anything that's scientific or world changing, um, to the, what is happening around them with the characters that are actually moving and shaking, uh, the things that are happening. Uh, but all in all, um, the modern stuff was still good because we did get Kurt Russell and we did get the Tim character and, uh, that was, uh, some, some fun stuff. Uh, so, oh no, it's a, a fine episode. Um, so yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, let's go with you, Mike. Yeah, there's a Scooby-Doo aspect to this, um, in that you have the, the kids investigating the crime and, you know, that kind of made some sense, I guess, at the beginning of the season because they were they were they were looking for their father. There was no reason to necessarily get, or not even that. They were looking to find out what happened to their father, and there was no reason to get anyone else involved. But literally now the police are here. Uh, I don't know why you need the Scooby Gang anymore. Um, and and I don't think they've answered that, um, not even remotely. So, um, I just I don't quite get it. I don't get. You know, what May is doing there, other than she wants to be with her friends that She's I don't think really they did a great, with. but that they didn't really build the relationship with. Yeah, it's, it's still, there's still some stuff there. And, and like I said, I think to me, they, they didn't, they just don't have the, the natural progress that I was expecting. I, I didn't think they came up with a good, and I'm not looking for a great rationalization. I'm looking for some rationalization. Uh, for, for why they, they are still involved in this and, um, you know, and, and Shaw, but they were still with Shaw. The fact that they have a personal relationship with Shaw would, would go a long way because Shaw sees them kind of as, um, you know, as, as surrogate grandchildren, right? Because they're Hiroshi's kids. Um, yep. but, but, but he's not driving the truck anymore, or at least not the one that they're sitting in. So even that doesn't make sense, you know, that they that they said, well, we're going to bring you with, you with us. So, uh, you know, maybe, you know, you have some relationship with Shaw. Maybe he'll listen to you when he won't listen to us. Even that kind of rhetorical BS, you know, might be more welcome. Um, I have a couple of issues with the very end, and some of it is really kind of going to problems I have with 
uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, but just by the way, not that anyone ever advertised this, but Godzilla versus Kong is the new one. Kong versus Godzilla was the original one from 1963 or whenever that was. Um, and now the new one is Godzilla kisses Kong or something. It's because uh, it's diverse. It's, I, it's I saw attacked. a preview for it. It was like, yeah. X. Godzilla, Godzilla X is Kong. It's the like, new uh, empire. The new empire. Yeah. You can't forget that part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah well, anyway. Um, yeah. So I had small issues, but like, anyway, it's, it's, there's the whole, there's stuff they set up in Godzilla versus Kong about the, uh, that I don't know where it came from, but about the, uh, hollow earth that didn't make any sense at the time. And, um, <laughs> Now they they may just be ignoring it, and honestly, because it didn't make a lot of sense at the time, I'm kind of fine with ignoring it, except for people who are real uh, concerned with continuity, uh, because once you establish a thing, it's kind of silly to just ignore it, especially when it's a big plot point. But we'll talk about that more when we get to the end. Um, we, we did get a new monster for the first time in what feels like forever. Uh, it was the Frost the War was in episode uh, three, right? Oh, yeah. Was that when was that, that was when we first saw the frost? And then they kept bringing the frost four back, and they kept going Godzilla frost four, frost four Godzilla. Um, and then there was an episode with none of the above, really. And um, uh, but other than that, so this is our first time seeing uh, one back, and of course it's the adult form, I guess, of the of the bug from the first episode. And I and I appreciate seeing that back. And again, even it was just very briefly at the end, we knew where we were going. But yeah, there's that final scene. I have some minor issues with, and we'll talk about later. But other than that, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. All right, sounds good. Um, all right, so and I, I, I kind of liked uh, pretty much everything you said there, Mike. Too. Um, so with that stated, uh, we can probably just get into the episode, talk about anything we want to related to the episode, things that we have on our uh, talking points. Uh, so I don't know where we want to start or who wants to start. Um, I have no idea where to start, but well, I've got to. I'll point out that they brought up the the, uh, and I'm seeing in some of the reviews and things I was looking at, people like highlighting it. The uh, the Navy commander. I don't know if he was a what his actual ranking was. It might be commander, captain. Um, the uh, the racism with Keiko. And again, I'll point out this was a guy that, uh, at least if I trust one, uh, one analysis of the episode is wearing a Pacific theater badge or ribbon. So he fought against the Japanese in World War II. I, I'm not going to, I can only take so much offense to a guy who was getting shot at not long ago, uh, by Japan taking some offense to a Japanese scientist, you know, in, you know inserted in the ranks. Yeah, now I know about things like Project Paperclip, where, where you know uh, we took uh, former Nazi scientists and used them to um, win the uh, space race. Uh, I don't know how like our military personnel necessarily felt about all of that. Um, the people who were you know operating in the European theater, um, how they felt about us using Nazis. So I just, but to me, it would seem perfectly natural. Uh, for there to be hostility and resentment. And I'm not saying that it's right. I'm just saying I think it's a very understandable, very human reaction to not be thrilled with people that were shooting at you a while ago or, you know, people who belong to that uh, 
particular group, that particular nationality. Um, uh, again, it's it's just a thing. It's a small thing, but it's a thing that some people keep bringing up. And I think it's also very authentic. And I said that very early on is that I, I hate when we want to whitewash the uh, the history because it's uncomfortable and it's it, it's very true to the period. So she's got like I always point out uh, to my chemistry students. Uh, Marie Curie, you know, faced resistance not just because she was a woman, but because she was Polish. And we all know the the dumb Polak jokes, right? That used to be in vogue uh, 30 years ago. Um, and you know, so that was that that was absolutely a thing. And so the idea that she's not only facing she's because she's a woman, but also she's a Japanese woman, I think is very authentic. Authentic, and I'm glad they they, they keep kind of touching back on that and don't let us forget it. But they're also not pushing it uh, up to the front. They're not doing anyone making a grandiose speech. They are just acknowledging that this is part of the world. Um, no one is writing that wrong. Because there's no way to write that wrong at that period in history. Um, so, yeah. So that was just a small thing. I know we've mentioned it in the past podcast, but I, I would bring it up again. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I do like the uh, Mary Curie uh, reference. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, what else uh, do we want to go to? Where, where do we want to start after that? Um, I guess. Well, there, there's the big revelation here. Um, yeah. Where they talk about. Um, Pico's secret past for lack of a better term. Yeah, sure. Um, and we find out something that uh, undoes a thing that I was kind of dreading for quite a bit. And that there was, there's been this fear and suspicion because they were doing the thing with Shaw that we were going to end up finding out that Shaw is really the secret grandfather of Right. They, yeah. they, they even wink to us when, yep. <laughs> when when she says that, right? The the um, granddaughter says that I we Shaw the way he was talking to me, I was waiting for him to say that I was he was actually my grandfather, you know. So she actually said that in the episode. So they they knew what we were thinking, uh, the writers or how we would think uh, when they read it. Right, and of course the the actual reveal is that surprise. Not even the person we thought was the father was the actual father. Um, right, right. Though it still leaves the, a possible love triangle, triangle. Because if I'm not mistaken, earlier in the season in the flashbacks that they had, where he it was through the point of view of Shaw, and he's in the back seat. Don't they, meaning uh, Randall and and uh, whatever her name is say that they're pregnant at that point. So she was pregnant, I think, when she died. I have to go back and watch that first episode. Yeah. Um, I, we I do know that they got anyway. – I, I think he did marry her. Uh, there was a relationship yeah, yeah. there. I, I don't think they did a lot to build up that relationship here. Maybe they feel they don't have to because they showed us where they end up. Um, I would assume that that was going to be – her second child, uh, and not uh, not Hiroshi, uh, father. I think it's Hiroshi. Is it Hiroshi? 
the son slash father, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the the missing scientist who likes yeah, yeah, yeah. to fool around. Yeah, I think that's his name. Um, yeah, let's see. Um, yeah, Hiroshi. Yep, Hiroshi Randa. Yep. So he took the 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 stepdad's last name. Yeah, and I assume as you would at that time, certainly in the 1950s, um, obviously there would be at least stigma attached to, to a single mom. And one can argue there is stigma attached to that today. I'm not going to get into that argument. I'm sorry, I think it's less than there was. Uh, and it would just be assumed, right? This, there's, there was no, there were not many women back then that would not take their, their husband's name. And the whole point of uh, marrying in this case would be to give legitimacy to uh, to the child. And so it would make sense that the child would take the random name as well. Right, right. Yeah. Especially when you have, I mean, obviously you had the American culture was 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 traditional then, but the Japanese culture especially would have been traditional back. Then. Oh, even even today. Yeah. 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 yeah they're they're uh, what we would call extremely uh, xenophobic over in Japan um, and interracial marriages. Even Koreans when when people uh, marry. I actually have a friend who married someone from Japan and it's taken him decades, but he was added to the family's roster and it took a certain amount of time. He's now part of the family and a Japanese citizen as well as U.S. But, uh, yeah, it was very difficult for that to happen. Yeah, racism is not just uh, an American thing. We're just way more open about it than, than everybody else, I think. Well, and, and, and we're, uh, or in theory, we should be still a melting pot uh now they, they say it's a toss to letters but um as a result we're, we're, we have uh, a lot of diversity compared to other countries yeah and that just exacerbates the issue um you can't you know it's a lot easier not to hide your racism when you're like you're 95 percent one ethnicity and five percent of you know a bunch of others um because it's hard to get going. It's hard to, to, to build a critical mass. Um, the United States is, is what it is. It's, um, it's a, like I said, it's a diverse country. So, uh, that, that forces the, the issue. Um, and I think it's good that we confront it. I think it's unfortunate that other countries don't. But anyhow. Although I'm sure that there are certainly ones that are, are dealing with it. I certainly know that there's been uh, public uh, – some fairly public uh, issues in, say, France that's that's caused problems with uh, integration of, uh, say, the Muslim population, among others. And these are, these are real problems. But this, that's not what this is. This is a monster podcast. And this is a monster movie, not monster TV show, kind of, sort of. <laughs> uh oh, did we lose Phil again? No, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so that, so that, I don't know if it was the best handled, but it was nice to see, um, that they managed to surprise us, that, um, they didn't go the, 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 what it would have been already a, a rather cliched uh, that cliched love triangle 
which obviously we already had to begin with, but uh, it's actually more complicated now with her having a child from someone before them even. Yeah. But she does say she's a widow. So unless we find out that the father is, you know, it's Tim, unless we find out that the father really isn't dead, he's alive too. Um, Oh God, that would be terrible. (laughs) Um, yeah. Well, then I think it's, it's perfectly passable. It works. Um, right, right. Yeah, it's it's very interesting these these reveals, you know, because a lot of these reveals are are things that a lot of the characters know, and we don't learn until, in this case, episode what eight was it? And it's it's I think I feel it's like the Lost or the West World thing where. A lot of things are hidden to us, and and then they throw it out, and 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 a lot of times they're kind of anticlimactic. Um, to find out that her marriage to Randall and the child that is the parents of our two, I guess, nominal leads, isn't even related to um, Shaw or Randall, except by you know step in a sense, you know, because technically. Um, Shar is kind of like a grandfather, even though he's not related to him. And, and same with with Randall, who appears to actually been the, the, the grandfather um, because of marriage. But um, I don't know. It, it was just not as a wild moment as maybe the screenwriters wanted us to feel. I think same same with with the first scene too, where um, that uh, other lieutenant or whatever he is, captain, that has taken over Monarch and how he acts and, and is a jerk and all that stuff. That that kind of made me feel like it was more too tropey of the bad government or the bad uh, uh, company that wants to, you know, just be a jerk for no reason. And it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth too. And not because of the character, but because of it just being the random simple trope we see so many times where we have this quote unquote antagonist evil person or whatever you want to call it, um, destroying the the hopes and dreams of our protagonist. So, well, I think uh, in, in in this case it makes a li- little bit of sense because what you don't want is you know they make this big issue of Shaw's decision uh, in episode what was it episode six? Yeah, I think coming back to bite him in the ass, and well, if it turns out that the and that's why it's, everything's been turned over to the Navy, and if it turns out he's their dream boss. Well, then there really wasn't a negative consequence. So this guy's got to be even more of a dick uh, than than the colonel has been. Um, so I, 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 it makes sense. Um, it would be nice if they didn't. And I do agree that there's, uh, I, and as far as I know, it's basically it feels like it's ever been been since Lost, where everyone feels the need to have every character have some weird secret to try to invest the audience, just as I think. Movies have tried way too hard to one up uh, Sixth Sense for as long for for a while. Yeah, I was just thinking um, Sixth Sense too. Um, and there's always there's always twists, twists have always been obviously a part of um 
a part of storytelling. Um, it's nothing new, you know, right? Expectations, you know, it's, is, is a good example of that. Um, but not everything needs a twist. Not every character needs a twist. Not every story needs to have some secret backstory. Plenty of us have been able to watch TV shows for years and get attached to and fall in love with the characters without needing some dark thing in the past that we don't know about. And you can go through an entire litany of TV shows in in the last 70 years where the characters were just loved because they loved the characters, right? Because they loved the actors, because the characters were well, were well written, whether it's a sitcom or a drama. And yes, something like um, you know, Alice. <laughs> sure, characters have secrets because that's the kind of show that kind of thing is supposed to be. It was a late-night soap opera. Um, I don't think you need to turn Legacy of Monsters into a late-night soap opera. Right. Right. Now, uh, another thing I felt was a problem with that uh, new leader of Monarch was, I, I mean, again, we don't know enough about what his his eventual role is supposed to be, but based off of how he acts to Randall um, and the other, and the woman, I keep on forgetting her name, um, and, and Shaw too, makes me wonder: Is he even care about? The organization that he has just been put in charge with, where he has full control and, and can make it great, instead of self, self intentionally self destructing it because he was appointed to the position rather than started it from the ground up. Uh, I think he had different priorities. He wanted that money to go into a different priority that he thought but, was right. But but it, yeah, all right, that may be fair. But you would think someone who has been given a grant to, or an appointment ship to lead a certain group would want that group to succeed. And oh, why would he? Dude, naive. Well, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me explain what I'm, I mean, Barrett. I think you're right. I, I think I'm naive. But <laughs> here it is. is he, he, He's got it, quote, unquote, all, in my opinion, because he, he's now appointed to actually a, a prominent position versus who knows what he was doing before where he was just a, a toady. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to destroy this whole group and say all this money should go elsewhere. And then I won't have a group anymore and I'll just become a toady again. And, I, I, with, and no guarantee that I'll be appointed to another group as the lead. So, I don't think well, even if he was in charge, would he stop being a toady? <laughs> he would continue because that's his personality. Yeah, I mean, but – to be a toady with power versus a toady that loses power and, and by your own destiny or 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 things you do, you know, actions. It just doesn't make sense. Well, I but think again, in fairness, like this, this is a thing that inherited. He wasn't there in the ground. We don't know what, what he was told. And anything, especially something – I think as big as, as the military where financing is, is important. Every dollar that's going to some one program is a dollar that's not going to another program. You never know if somebody was said like, okay, uh, I want you to get in there and just you know dismantle this because we need it. We need more money for the B-52 program. You know, um, we need more money for uh, Oppenheimer. 
yeah, for, for Oppenheimer or whatever. We need we need more money for nuclear weapons. We need more money for this, that, or the other thing. So there's that. And then here's this guy. Let, let's step back for a moment. The world doesn't know about Godzilla. Um, they've been told there's a Godzilla and that a nuclear bomb was dropped on its head and that it's dead and that they're there to see if they can find anything else. And they've found nothing. And they found nothing in the height of the Cold War. And so what priority does this have if the threat that we were worried about is gone? If you And he says, you have to show something. And I can understand that, right? At some point, you have to show results. And if you don't well, show results... Well, let me answer this, Mike. Were Aranda, Kentaro, and Shaw especially... Um, suiciding themselves in a sense for whatever lack of term I could use that sounded good enough in the sense that Shaw says we all agreed that uh, a need to know basis so why would they not let their new boss and and in fact the, the colonel too know what they know I mean, are they are they hurting themselves and being idiots for keeping all their, uh, I guess, notes and and projects hidden? And as a result, everybody above them thinks they're just wasting time and money because they're not showing any projects or results because it's well, they have notes, but they no, they, no but, but they're not showing it to the people in well, charge. For all the money they have, unfortunately, they have not apparently bought a camera. Yeah, no, it, the, whole thing, um, the whole thing just makes no sense. And, and in, well, in, in their defense, uh, we've only seen them encounter uh, Godzilla yep. and the, uh, the 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 dragon, for lack of a better term. Well, when they assist though, when they find see Godzilla the second time with, with the Japanese scientist that that has created that 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 thing that that attracts Godzilla. You would think if they're that smart to create that type of device to attract a Godzilla or other giant monster, like you said, you would think they would also have cameras all over the place filming 24 well, 7. Were, well, remember, their, her fear specifically uh, was that they're going to try to kill Godzilla again. And they, they don't want them to do that. And that's. Very questionable. I do wonder, I forgot to mention this uh, last week, the week before, why they thought that Godzilla was the same Godzilla that they saw get a nuke exploded in its face as opposed to just being, you know, another Godzilla out there. Right, right. Yeah, I was wondering wondering the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no way that they would just say, oh, it must be. I mean, obviously, it would be very coincidental if there's a second Godzilla. But then again, the common thought would think, okay, the other one was nuked, so this must be a different one. Right. Now, if this was Kong, typically the Kong from um, Skull Island and, and Godzilla versus Kong, um, that Kong has very specific scarring on it. And, like, if you uh, see how people who, who are marine biologists who study whales, like, one of the things they look for is, uh, like, is scarring. And they'll look for, you know, marks that can identify this, this specific one. And so someone might look at... Um, 
Akpong and go, it has got this, this, these three slashes across his chest. You know, it's got the same scarring that has to be Kong. Godzilla doesn't have that. Um, and has never had any course, anything about himself that is imperfect. He's just Godzilla. So I'm just taking it as a, as a storytelling conceit. They see it as the same one that they recognize it as the same one. You know, if, if, uh, if Quentin, Brody, and, and Hooper come across another great white shark, they're not going to assume it's Jaws again. Uh, but I'll just assume that that's, that they just don't want to get into that. It's, it's a, it's a side story. We all know it's Godzilla. The audience knows it's Godzilla and they don't want to have to waste three episodes trying to do a DNA test about whether or not this is the same Godzilla or a, a different Godzilla as before. Um, but the whole point is they don't, they don't want the military to know Godzilla's still alive because if Godzilla's still alive, they're going to try to kill Godzilla again and they don't want to do that. Why they didn't take a picture of the dragon, I have no idea. We know what happened with the bug, and so the you know, and that's at the end of the story. But basically, between Godzilla and where we are now, the, that that confrontation, they have found uh, presented no concrete evidence um, that there's any more of these things out there. Now, again, I don't know why they didn't take a picture of the dragon. They have notes, they have stories, they have inferences, they have. Um, you know, and they go through all of that. It's all, a lot of it's very sketchy, right? There's this drunk guy at a bar who says that there's a that there's a monster, or uh, that's that's not really the same thing. I don't think that's going to be enough for uh, to be actionable intelligence for the military to justify spending billions of dollars in the middle of the Cold War on on a project like this that could be going to things where the threat is more uh, more more apparent. Right, right. Well, anyway, let me let's move back to the future for a second. Meaning, meaning, uh, <laughs> Shaw, um, because some of that, uh, uh, you know, we'll t- think about that uh, a bit because of the. Uh, Hello? Yeah, you, oh, you're still, you're okay. still that sound. So, um, anyway, uh, so let, let's talk about um, the Kazakhstan stuff, I guess. Um, and oh, well, actually, actually, you know what? The, one of the funniest things that I, I rolled my eyes was they show the flashback of Rando punching the wall, and he breaks his hand, and then they show seventy years later. In the future, and Tim, I think his name is Tim, right, is in the same office, and the hole is still in the wall. I just thought that was silly. <laughs> Again, that's I like st- I like stuff like that. It's a little dip, but seventy <laughs> years, you know, I could understand if it was like ten years or fifteen, but I don't know, seventy. Well, years. I, I, I would question how long that area has been occupied. Um, I have a feeling that, like Monarch, we know. Was underfunded for a long time. Um, we know that they, they're going to probably, if they're if they're paying attention to continuity, which they may not, they're probably going to lose <laughs> their funding. Um, so there's all there's all sorts of ways to kind of justify that, and you know, is it really a necessary thing? I don't know. Um, I did appreciate the fact that they spent a lot of time in this episode um, in the same 
physical space as the 1950s crew. Um, I kind of like that, and that made it a little different than in past episodes uh, where, you know, they're in Kazakhstan or they're in the the Philippines or, or, or wherever, um, while, you know, our, our, our modern-day crew is running around Japan and Alaska. So I appreciated that they have a lot of overlap here, that they're in the same headquarters, uh, just rebuilt and expanded, uh, that you got to see that. And it's not a new thing. I've certainly seen it in plenty of other in plenty of other kind of shows like this or movies like this where you're dealing with two different time periods with the same people or in the same space. But it was nice to see. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. It was it was kind of fun and, and cute in a way. Um, so who is the villain here? Because I, I don't think anybody's a villain. I, I think both of their logics make sense, and I think Shaw's makes a lot of sense too i mean again i don't know how they know godzilla is trying to is smarter than 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 uh just an animal and did you see his eyes yeah exactly oh my god you had to and there was intelligence there and he's doing something great yeah yeah that that was a little silly (laughs) so but well i'm gonna ignore that at this point and i'll i'll talk about uh um how he wants to shut Godzilla be damned. He wants to blow the holes up, which will prevent the creatures from coming through, I guess. Because I guess they're coming through holes, not through their own digging ability. And I get the point, and his point sounds pretty logical to me. And maybe her Hiroshi, uh, uh, I think that's his name, but the father um is is thinking the same way and that's what he's doing but I don't know we don't know enough yet about Hiroshi but the other point Tim's point and his bosses I forget her name um she they say that every time they close a hole gamma rays come more through or whatever rays come more through the other you know 11 holes after they close the 12th hole and that makes sense too yeah, like you're closing off one of the pipes so the water goes somewhere else. Right, exactly. So, but but then Shaw comes back and he says, or, or not Shaw, maybe, maybe it's Duvall that says, I think it's Duvall actually that says it. Well, I'd rather do something than nothing because we already know that nothing, the creatures come. So, you know, again, all these people are doing it. The problem is, is that all these people are trying to make these decisions without um, cooperative channels. They're just making. Yeah, they're not working together. They're all doing their own thing. Well, and and not even that. They're also, it's just, it's just them and them alone. In other words, Shaw says, this is how it's going to be. And Duvall goes, I agree. And okay. But instead of going to the government saying, this is what we're going to do and why we're going to do it and, and, and whatnot, they just won't decide to do it. And so they appear rogue even if they may be right. And I, it's just weird how. Well, I think the uh, problem you're facing here is um, that there's a lot of uncertainty. And this is one of the things they're getting across. This is it, you know, is it data? Is, you know, you get this one group monarch just loves its data. And then, you know what they do after they analyze the data, they look at more data, right? It's this at right. some point. You have they never to, do anything. <laughs> right. They never do anything. Um, 
And as he says, this is one set of data saying that you're, you're blocking off a pipe and you're going to get an explosion. And he says, it's, uh, maybe not, right? Yes, maybe we won't. And you always get this. Um, this is not a new thing, this argument of you know, the, the nerds versus the jobs, right? It's just um, if, you're, if you're a baseball fan, you see this argument be- between the, the traditionalists and the statisticians um, as to, you know, what's the best way to play the game and uh, what's most effective. And neither side necessarily listens well or has much respect for the others in some cases. And, and, and neither may be right either. They may both and neither be, may be right. That's absolutely yeah. the case. Yeah. And because you're dealing with a very unique situation, right, this is not a thing you can build a controlled experiment with. Um, and by the way, we see this in, in government all the time, right? It's for, my policy will reinvigorate the economy by this many trillions of dollars. And no, my policy will reinvigorate the, the economy this many trillions of dollars. Well, we can't do an experiment with two identical countries using two different policies to see which one's actually going to be the better policy. We we, we end up having to take a pick, and often it's a blind pick, right? We go, well, that makes sense to me, and keep our fingers crossed and hope that it turns out for the best. And, you know, being the real world, it, it usually isn't. Um, but who's right here, right? At some point, you're going to get to the, the, the situation where it's going to be, um, are we going to continue blowing up these holes? Spoiler warning, they won't because you see Godzilla versus Kong. Um, the holes unless are still new there. Holes, unless new holes pop out. Or, yeah, or maybe there's some new holes. Maybe they'll, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll open up a new hole. Yeah, maybe um, closing them does no good at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe, maybe it will cause something, a new rupture somewhere. In which case, the entire thing, right, because there's always, but, you know, like they always say there's three, there's three sides. There's your side, my side. There's the truth. Which is a misnomer because sometimes one side is true. <laughs> something is just wrong. Right. And but sometimes in, there's a Venn diagram and, and pieces of all three. All right. Right. And in this case, it could be there's my prediction, there's your prediction, and then there's going to be what's going to happen. And it could be that the right. thing that's what's going to happen may be something completely different than either one of these predictions the is going to be. black swan event. Right. And, <laughs> and when you're dealing with the world that we're in, in this show, Everything is Black Swan event. There is one Godzilla, sort of, except, you know, the ones that had existed before and were killed by the parasitic mutos that we don't ever reference anymore. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, you're talking about singular creatures that don't live in an ecosystem in the way that real animals live in an ecosystem, right? That's always been sort of my – you can't have a Nessie. There's not like one Nessie – Hanging out in Lake in the Loch Ness for hundreds of years, that never has a mate, that never reproduces, that does isn't integrated in some way, shape, or form into the local food web, that you know never takes a dump in the lake, you know, or never dies. You never see a body wash ashore. All these things. Same thing with with a Bigfoot. There has to be a breeding population. Well, that's not the case with the Titans. These are all just singular, unique creatures. We don't know how they're created, and we know that they are never destroyed unless it's Godzilla that does it or King Kong that does it. Right. Um, right, right. And I think that's the fundamental difference between like the, the what I would say are the real Titans and then things like the Skull Crawlers and the stuff we saw in. Kong Skull Island, which are which are things that that are, that are monsters that exist in the ecosystem. 
that exist in a in, in something closer to what I'm, I'm a, a real weird freaky world, but a real world sense. Things like Godzilla, you know, live off radiation. The mutos live lived off radiation. I don't ever get the sense Kong is feeding off radiation. Um, right. and I and I do think this all goes back to to the beginning of the monster verse, and that nobody thought any of these things. Yeah, I think all this stuff has been made up as they were going. I, I think the, the first Godzilla American film that Brian Cranston was in, uh, they didn't have any of this, saw, uh, you know, whatever, uh, hollow earth thing. In, even I, yeah, I don't of. think they thought the movie would do as good as it did when it came out, so... Well, and well, even had, then, it, even if it, they did think it would do good, they just let other people write scripts and they came up with these weird ideas. You know, you know it's funny, too, because they reference themselves in the show where Shar or, or someone goes, oh, well, or, or it was Tim, actually, I think, that says, uh, um, your uncle Rander, after his wife died, uh, I mean, your your father, your grandfather Rander, after his wife died, uh, he began coming up with all these tinfoil hat uh, conspiracy theories. And, and so people just looked at him like he was crazy. And then, sure enough, the, the, the screenwriters go ahead and actually write all the tinfoil conspiracy things. And they actually become part of this universe that the original Godzilla that Brian Cranston starred in, they didn't think of any of this stuff as part of this universe. And, and that only came after the fact. Right, so Godzilla versus Kong. That's uh, right, not Godzilla. King Kong Skull Island comes out like a year or two after um, the 2014 Godzilla. Yep. That brings in the Hollow Earth. But those monsters are very different than the radiation feeding, radiation feeding monsters of. 2014. Right. Um, 2019, King of the Monsters ignores Hollow Earth. Well, not doesn't ignore Hollow Earth. Brings Hollow Earth into it, but has like these underwater tunnels that we see. But it goes, but but leans heavily into the radiation feeding monsters of 2014. It does bring the Hollow Earth thing in there, but doesn't necessarily develop it great. You see that there is at some point some secret civilization. Um, yeah, like Atlantis or whatever. Atlantis, right? That's now underwater, and you got the only, but they don't flesh it out to any great degree. It's left as a mystery, and then they just decide to jump full uh, forward into Godzilla versus Kong, and it's oh, we're just gonna just and it feels when you watch Godzilla versus Kong, it feels like there's a missing movie where they establish things, like they establish the fact that Skull Island is basically decimated and. That humans have tried to go into the hollow earth and have failed and because you, because there's this gravity inversion and you have to have this special vehicle that allows you to get down into the hollow earth, you know, and there's all the, and all this stuff. And again, none of it's established or even hinted at in the, the previous three films where you end up with, with Godzilla versus Kong. Godzilla versus Kong just says, okay, here's what's happened since you've been gone. And we're just going to pretend that that this is all part of the plan all along. Also, like, so, some things that that bothered me about all that too is, you know, okay, they have the Hollow Earth and they have these giant monsters and they have creatures that live off of 
radiation and, and, and whatnot and all this other stuff. And, and these are all like exciting and unbelievable things. But honestly, I think the m number one most exciting thing, especially for humanity and our own self-preservation, was the expansion of aging and life. And and like everybody's focused on Godzilla and radiation in the in the center of the universe and Atlantis and the bottom of the ocean and all this other crap. When everybody I feel would be saying, you know what, Shaw's extended life to be living probably 130 years old or whatever he is now, I think people would be glomming on to more than any of that other crap. Oh, yeah. And, and that stuff is as amazing and unbelievable as all the other stuff. And yet well, it's like secondary not, and no one's even caring about it when in reality, if this was the real world, that would be probably the number one thing everybody would be thinking of. It's only supposed to be uh, in his 90s, I think, right now. And so, well, he is in remarkable shape for someone in his 90s. Um, I also don't think it's completely implausible that people just see it as someone who's just aged really well. Um, yeah, yeah. They do establish in Skull Island, and it's 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 a throwaway line. Um, sorry, that's for the noise. That's a kitten playing with a toy. Uh, John C. Riley's character, right, is the um, World War II pilot who's who's marooned on the island and uh, is adopted by the the Iwi native tribe. He mentions that some of them never seem to age. And so that idea is established there. But they never make a big deal out of it. So you'd be forgiven for even forgetting that it was a thing. Yeah, I forgot about that totally, and you're right. And now that you bring it up, I remember it. I just know one of the various things I've I've, I've just let play out uh, on my on my YouTube feed, that clip was in there. I was like, oh, right, yeah, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. So otherwise I would have completely forgotten as well. And this has never been a thing. Like, I don't think they've shown in any of the previously on, um, on, you know, clips. I don't think they've ever shown that particular clip because that would be, you know, revealing their hand a bit that they're, that it's, that they're not just saying, hey, aren't we lucky we got Kurt Russell? Don't worry about the age discrepancy. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see, where else did we want to go? Uh whether it's the fifty stuff or the present stuff. Um I, I gotta say, the moment folks went into the nuclear plant in Kazakhstan, which still, I just don't know how people can get into Russia and not be noticed. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. It bothered me back in the flashback in 1950, and it bothers me now. But either way, and it has nothing to do with Russia and the war that's going on. It's just that Russia has always been uh, very protective um, since since we were been born anyway. Uh, and, and to just see that so ha easily happen, it just it makes no sense to me. But the the thing was is that he go into this power plant in Kazakhstan, and again, I know Kazakhstan's an independent country now in 2015, but you know what I'm talking about. So they they go into Kazakhstan, and they go into the the, the plant to chase Shah, 
and they see giant um, uh, skins of shedded giant bugs. And that's me turning around. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's it's like, okay, the moment that happens, you go, okay, do we have enough people? Should civilians be in here? No one's scouted this place, and we're just walking in, and we find carcasses and and skins of giant bugs. Well, there doesn't even seem to be a plan from Kurt Russell's character, Shaw, to deal with it when he knows they found bugs. Right. Right. Yes, he saw it firsthand. Apps, bingo. Good, good, good. Yep. Well, Shaw's plan is to blow the place up. So it's get yeah. in there, plant the bombs, and get away. Yeah. Here's, now, here's where I run into problem. My, my number one problem with this, and it is, you want to tell me it's a nitpick? I'm, I'm fine with it. I was able to roll with it. I just, as I rolled with it, my eyes may have rolled a bit. Um, like I don't have mind them getting sneaky into Kazakhstan in the 19. 19- 50s because you know russia is a big place uh they can't have troops everywhere and you're talking about three people that if i've seen were they unarmed uh yes they no uh but uh, i don't uh, remember shaw shooting at the bugs actually duval has a gun we know that and her people have no, no, no. I'm talking about the 1950s. Back oh, all the oh, episode. yeah, yeah. They had, they had nothing. I don't think they had anything. They had nothing. So I had no problem with them being able to sneak in, right? There's three, three dudes that are keeping it on the down low and managed to cross the border. That I'm fine with. Here you were inserting a paramilitary squad. This is not Tim and his little and his little buddies. But right. still, um, you you would think in 1950-something, Russia would still have some sort of surveillance. Or guards. Well, but again, I don't think they they can't stop you from going to Kazakhstan, and maybe they. Yeah, we're talking Kazakhstan. No, but Kazakhstan, but Kazakhstan was was part of Russia at that point. It was a a Soviet. No, no, but now, but not in 2015. Yeah, that's fair. Well, and even now, it's it's not impossible to go over a border. I mean, it's just have to go to where it's not watched. I'm assuming this is that's true. Monarch has its privileges, is what I'm going to say, and just go with that. But what I have I have a problem with is that they get there. There's no sign of the vehicles that I saw that Kurt Russell and his team took there. Right. And they're all just like hiding. Right. Plant the bombs. Then everyone hide. Right. Until, and we'll, we'll wait here because they're going to be following us. And then when they get here, we're all going to shout surprise and happy birthday. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I give, give you that. I felt the same way because, again, Shaw – and his group were there. No one is around for like two miles because everybody is staying away from that because the the Kazakhstanians are making it making people stay away because they say it's radiation and you have to stay away. So they were. I could understand being careful, but I, I could understand them, you know, talking out loud and not going "boo, we're here." You know, it's, it, that was a little silly. So I concur. So continue, Mike. I'm. So, I just wanted to interject and say so yeah. that was a small thing but to me that's like you know as a fan of horror movies i'm used to like how many times do we see like the jump scare where like the camera shifts a little bit and it's like there's the killer who's been standing right in front of you your entire time but you have zero peripheral vision and therefore we're not able to see that they were there until the camera moved right you know that's that's just right, a right. standard horror movie cliche um, and so, again, my eyes may roll at it, 
but it's it, it's it's a thing. Move on. Um, but then you get the whole thing that at the end, the the the, the monster attacks, and our team falls down into the hole with the giant monster that they worked really really hard in Godzilla versus Kong convince us was a thing that no human being could possibly survive falling through right. unless you have this very special super high-tech vehicle. So either they're going to casually ignore it, they're going to try to make an argument that, oh, well, it's because of something they do there in the in the final episode that causes that thing to happen to keep people because we know Kurt Russell has been there before and we know that because he said it yep. so he's made it through and he's made it out yep um I feel like it's going to be a big retcon yeah there, there's so yeah. Or, or they're ignoring it they're either going to be a retcon or they're going to ignore it and given the continuity of this entire universe of the four films has been all over the place and no one's ever sat down to work out the mythology of it. Um, I feel like that's sort of what they're trying to do here. But just pick the mythology and stick with it. Stop just making shit up on the spot is what a lot of it feels like. Um, right. right. So. Yeah. Well, well the, uh, the, the whole yeah. scene. Uh, Yeah, so so the whole scene, not just even all the stuff that you're talking about, Barrett, and or concurred with Mike about you know retconning and all that, but like some of the things, the actions, like like May and her running and jumping, I, I didn't get what what that was all about, and and then um, again the, the normal things where people fall and rocks are falling too, not just. Um, uh, people and so no one gets hurt really except of course red shirts so in other words the, the, it's called the twister effect in my opinion because I remember I was, I was watching twister a long time ago with, like, oh yeah like um, my father or something and there's the scene at the end when the two of them are holding on in the middle of the twister and things are flying around and they're they're smiling it's like wow we, we, we've done what we wanted to do and whatnot and then the thing that me and my father were talking about is like they'd be dead and not because the twister would necessarily pull them away but all they needed was like uh, uh, a piece of a fence to impale one of them or a hubcap to take off their head or you know you know what I'm saying because thousands of pieces of metal and and things are and rocks and, and stuff are being flown around them that all you need is one thing to hit you and you and you're either dead or you're gonna have a broken bone. And let's not get past, you know, them actually holding on with the with the force of that wind. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's so I was horrible and believable. I was I was letting to let that go. But <laughs> The stuff that's flying around them that wasn't hitting them was where where I said, okay, this is ridiculous. But either way, whether you like that film or not, Twister. The, I like it, but there are those issues. Yeah, there are those <laughs> there's, issues. There, there's giant monsters, right? This is a giant monster universe, and these are the sorts of things. Look, it would be better if they acknowledge some of these things and we go back 
one of the very, very old arguments we've had and discussions we've had on the podcast, which is that the fewer times you ask the audience to suspend disbelief is, you know, the better. You know, we, we are, you're already asking them to suspend disbelief for a giant monster movie. Um, but you don't necessarily expect to see suddenly Shaw fly around like Superman, right? That's that, that would probably, that we'd be, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're perfectly fine with Godzilla. We're not fine with Shaw being Superman because that's not part of the bargain when we signed up for this. Right. right. Um, and, you know, if you watch the old Godzilla films, uh, the, certainly the, um, the original series, uh, there's an ever escalating, premise of implausibility as those go along because we start with a single giant monster coming out of the sea to attack Japan and then we got a second giant monster coming out of the sea to attack Japan and the, the monster that we killed the previous year also comes back out of the ocean to fight the giant monster to come back out of Japan and you know the next and then we're we're, we're just continuing to expand and then we bring in more not more monsters and then we start to bring in aliens and, you know, it just, at some right. point, but, but it's something that takes, we don't just go from Godzilla 1954 to a world populated by monsters and aliens in the very next film. Um, right, right. Right. But anyway, uh, in this case, they're just asking us to, to to throw stuff away for no particular reason that they don't have to, but because they're apparently going to spend their entire budget on this final episode where the entire crew is finding themselves in the lost world of uh, the Upside Down, you know, the, the Hollow Earth. Um, yeah, I and that's where right. and, and that's, that's where we're going. And that's where we're going to find out that Mom is still alive. Because that's naturally, exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah and we're going to get a grandmom, actually, right? And yeah. I, I have a feeling we're going to find. Um, We're going to have the flashbacks to what happened with Shaw. I still have not heard whether there's going to be or uh, talks of a second season. Um, you know, that that's very frustrating um, because I think – see, I, I don't know. I, it's On the one hand, I tend to assume that people who do jobs that I don't do know how to do those jobs better than I do because I don't have, know all the ins and outs of those jobs. and. <laughs> You know, certainly with a TV show, um, you know, have, you have contracts and agents and, and all this stuff to work out. And in this case, you're dealing with properties that are, you know, you're dealing with not just you're dealing with Legendary, you're dealing with Toho, you're dealing with Warner Brothers, you're dealing with Apple. So you got these four giant corporations you're trying to, to negotiate with. Um, but I don't know. I think. And that we live in the Netflix era where people are afraid to jump into series because they know that as soon as they get invested, it's going to get canceled and they'll never get any resolution to things. Telling people that, yes, there's going to be Monarch season two and it's coming out in 12 months, 16 months, whatever, um, would be would be really useful, I think. It would certainly right. be helpful to me as an audience member. I, I've said from the beginning, and I know I said this when we did Halo. Um, that I just have this bad feeling that this is could end this whole thing could kind of lead up to where we want it to go and then it's gonna stop and say tune in for season two. And yeah, yeah. And sure we don't even know that there's a season two. At least at Halo we knew there was going to be a season two. Yeah, because they announced it, I think, 
after the first episode or second yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, because it did great. They had people on the hook. Yeah, they advertised it really well, and and, and it's a, a beloved franchise. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's all other issues with advertising on shows now because yeah, you, know, you don't have like a single TV guide to advertise on any anymore in the same way, and ads are cultivated, and if you're not watching. Uh, was that Peacock or Paramount? Uh, that was Paramount. Uh, same as right. Star, Star Trek, Star Trek stuff. Right. So if you're if you're not streaming Paramount, then you're not going to get Paramount ads in your Facebook feed, and you're never going to know what the hell is airing on Paramount. Right. Um, and and it's whereas like the old TV guide, right? There would always be that the new show is on the cover and the the fall preview issue and all this stuff where the every channel's new shows were were shown to you. Right, so you you knew what was on, you knew when it was coming on, and it just and there also wasn't a whole lot to to choose from, right? There were only so many shows out there, um, only so many channels to choose from, and they weren't isolated in the same way that they are now. Uh, but anyhow, I, I think it would be really useful for them to announce that there's going to be a season two because they're going to have a whole lot of pissed people if this ends with Keiko coming out of of the the mists. Like uh, Sigourney Weaver and the gorillas, uh, and I'm still alive. <laughs> da, da, da. I was like, I knew that after episode two. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, right. Unless they're going to end it where one of the movies begins, and then it's. But again, I don't know if they plan that. Yeah. Do they bring in Vera Farmiga? Do they bring in you know? Do they do something like that? I don't know. Um, and I don't think as much as I enjoyed, and I know you didn't feel, but as much as I enjoyed the the various Monster First films, um, they're not like beloved films that people have. I think generally obsessed over and watched and rewatched. Like you know, say what you will about the Marvel films, the fans of those really did obsess over a lot of details because they knew it was all leading someplace and they would go back and rewatch for clues i i don't get the sense because it, yeah the, you're right the monster verse films no matter how big they were or could have been and no matter what iconic monsters and characters they do include this franchise for whatever reason did not have the power of franchises like Game of Thrones or Marvel or Lord of the Rings films by Peter Jackson or, or and various other things like that. It you're you're right, Mike. They're they're there. They have some fan base, but they didn't become uh franchise iconic like those other franchises that I just mentioned. And do you know what? Because they're silly monster movies. Star Wars is and, one. Yeah. And they're silly monster movies, and you know how we know they're silly monster movies? Because they treated them like silly monster movies. Because they when never I, yeah. Yeah. But outside of Kong Skull Island, I don't think they ever gave a lot of. If you look at the script, or at least the the, the final versions, I don't. I can't speak to what the original shooting screenplay was for uh, King of the Monsters and for Godzilla versus Kong. Those stories were a mess, and and they didn't care that they were a mess, and because they were just like, eh, we have giant monsters. Why take it seriously? Or at least that's the vibe that it's very easy to get. And that's what a lot of the people who watch it, right? If you criticize the stories for Godzilla vs. Kong, people are like, it's a it's a movie where a monkey battles lizard. You know, it's um, why are you worrying about it so much? So the audience isn't respecting the story. Why should they? And why should we hear? And why should they respect the audience? It's, just, it's a thing. 
but I would well, I, I don't like it. When I rewatch them, I watch them to see monsters destroying shit. That's why I really like King of Monsters because there's a lot of monsters in that. But right. I don't like stupid story either. So while I'm not looking for secrets like I would, you know, or Easter eggs like in a Marvel series, I, I still want continuity and to the story and a good story. And I think Legendary has been pantsed in a way because you just had Toho come out with Godzilla Minus One. Yeah. And it showed that you can make I mean, Jesus, they're they're seriously talking about about this as one of the best films of the year. Not for the Japanese Oscars, but for the actual Oscar Oscars. Yep. Um you know, it's it's like um so you're t- talking about the people whether you, you agree with them or not, people who would never take a Godzilla film seriously are taking a Godzilla film seriously because it had a seriously good script and it had some seriously awesome monster action in it at the same time. Um, you know, like I'm a monster kid. and I grew up as a monster kid. I love the monsters. Um, and like a lot of people, you know, what was people's favorite Godzilla movie? largely was, you know, outside maybe the original Godzilla was often destroy all monsters. Why? Because it's the one that had the most monsters in it. Right. <laughs> um, that was it. That's all that you needed. I want monsters. It gave me monsters. And so we as an audience are just as guilty as anybody else. Uh, but we've shown it can be better. And it's too late. Godzilla, Godzilla loves Kong. Love story for the ages is um, is already more or less done, right? It's, it's scheduled to come out in whatever it is, April or May, and um, that's written in stone. The story's done. They can't go back and rework it to make it a smarter story. But man, if this if this bombs after Godzilla out. In fairness, Godzilla minus one has only made something like sixty million dollars in the United States, which, uh, if it had more than a fifteen million dollar budget, probably would be considered a bomb. Um, right. But that's pretty good for a foreign language film, uh, you know, and being niche in a sense. Absolutely, and con- con- context is everything. Yep. So, legendary could easily laugh at that and say, "Oh yeah, uh, it's a, it's a, it was, it yes, it was critically acclaimed and it made seventy million dollars. We're not making uh, a a an art house Godzilla film. Not that I think right. Godzilla but, but, one was an art house film. But but right, but I, I see your point. The but the thing that they're going to always overlook is, well, somebody uh, like all the kids that would go see the film aren't going to go see it like." I couldn't bring my youngest daughter because she can't read subtitles. So forget it. You know, if it was made in English, the the it it I doubt they would say it was an art house film, and they would have said it was a, a monster film with a, a great drama. And and yet they they won't see that. A lot of these producers. Yeah, they're going to get the wrong message regardless. <laughs> right, right. They're gonna they're gonna think that it was a flop because it was art house. And it didn't have enough monsters, but no, it wasn't a flop. And it actually, oh, they know they know it's doing well, yeah. all things considered. Um, I, there are people in the, the, in the United the States who are asking them to well. do a dub version. Yeah, which which would make sense, and then I would be able to take my kid to it, and and 
I wouldn't be uh, insulted by that because, again, all the Japanese movies we watched as a kids were all dubbed. But yep. anyway, you know. Right. And I have a like I have a former student who's visually impaired. Um, you know, I don't know how well he could read subtitles um, and he may stay away for that. And you get people who are like dyslexic, you know, where, where that's a problem for them. Um, and then there's just honestly some people who don't want to read while they watch a movie. So um, and I. I'm not in their boat, but hey, you know, they, I like to eat popcorn and maybe they don't. You know, it's just we all have our viewing preferences and, you know, there's there's no wrong way. And you just hope that they um, they get that option and that when they do a dub, that it's not a shitty dub. Right. Well, I'm one of those people that doesn't like subtitles because I've experienced bad movies right. <laughs> and watching subtitles and it's painful. Right. And, and I, I, even though I'm OK with subtitles, I've watched a lot of films with subtitles. Uh, a lot of times I have to stop and rewind it because I'm reading the subtitles, but I miss what was going on in the scene that was, you, you know, uh, sly or, or 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 in the background. And so I'll re, you know rewind it. So so you know you know first world problems whatever. But but um, if if it was in English and I'm watching or language I understood and I was watching it, then I wouldn't have missed those things, you know, and and I wouldn't have to rewind it for a second. So. Um, and I'm not saying that it happens a lot, but it, it happens a couple of times here and there. And, um, you know, and as a result, foreign language films, even probably in other countries, when they want to watch a Hollywood film, foreign language films are still a niche in a sense. So because because they're subtitled. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of things were dubbed in the past all the time, as as we know with the Italian horror films that we were discussing in, in our latest Dark Discussions podcast episode. And it was only uh, – oh, did did, uh, can you hear me? Oh, good. I got yeah. back. Yeah, um, the, the, it was only recently, meaning, you know, the last maybe 15 years or so, that – Dubbing has been considered snobbish, or, 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 or I should say, subtitles have been considered the only way to watch a film, uh, the original intent. And you know that's fair, that's fair. But you know, I, I've I've watched Das Boot both in the English subtitles and the the German uh, original. Um, uh, I mean, the the German with the English subtitles as well as the the dubbed, and and both. We're we're fine. I feel I didn't, I didn't have any issues with that. So I don't know. It's uh, so I th I think whatever we're talking about, you know, how Godzilla minus one and whatever the producers think of it, like you said, Mike, that it's art house or it didn't do as good. It di it's doing well, but it didn't do as good as it should have if it, as a Godzilla film. Are probably overlooking certain things and aspects. Well, I'm just saying that they're. At, yeah, there would not be a MonsterVerse if they were making Godzilla's minus zero money because they're not going to spend a minus one money because they're also not going to have a Godzilla minus one budget. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know, it, it would have been curious to see if they did make a Godzilla minus one with a that budget, and it was an English language film made in the United States with with Americans and whatnot. I bet you would still make a, a, a pretty damn good amount of money. 
Well, it would be useful. It, it, it yeah. would. It's a good movie, and there's no getting around it. And yeah. you know, even if you you if you filmed it with an American crew with American budgets with American and, and, union and, rules, and it a, would and still a, yeah, and, it would well, still and, probably cost sixty million dollars or so to make. Sure, sure. Uh, but it also would do a whole lot better because you wouldn't have the subtitle issue. It would have gotten right. a bigger uh, advertising budget. Um, yep. You would have seen the trailers. You, it might have starred an actor or two that American audiences are familiar with, and that would have raised awareness. Um, this is largely a word-of-mouth phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah this film was a, a, a complete word of mouth because I, I wouldn't even uh noticed it at theaters if um Eric didn't bring it up as a episode for the for the podcast. Um, right. This isn't a Barbenheimer thing. Yeah, exactly. Or or, or cocaine bear where it was a, right. a pre planned meme. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um now back to uh this episode here. Um so am I not mistaken that both Shaw and uh, whatever the girl's name is, uh, damn it. Um, the lead actress characters fell into the hole. Yeah. Are they, are they gone? Yeah, yes. they fell in there. Yeah. All right. Now, did May as well, or did they get her out? I, I don't even know. No, May fell in as well, and this is going to be right. the, this is where we're going to, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to end up picking up in the next episode is with them. Uh, like Jack waking up on the beach in Lost, we're going to be picking up with them waking up in the in the uh, yep, in, in the Hollow Earth, and they're just going to kind of hand wave. You don't need to; these aren't the droids you're looking for. We don't need to know how they made it, managed to survive the trip to the Hollow Earth. Um, they're just going to end up there and forget about the fact that you need these special uh, electronic vehicles to make it there. Uh, <laughs> I have right. a feeling that's what they're going to do, but I I think. That's that's going to put us there. That's going to put us there in the hollow earth, and we're going to take it from there. And I'm really curious to see what they do. Um, you know, the funny thing is my wife and I just started watching The Witcher Season 3, and, and, we, and, and I understand Netflix is the big boy on the, the streaming block. And they spend yeah, a, yeah. But, I just read an article about that where they compared Netflix and Disney, and Netflix was the only service out of all of them to – uh, gain viewers in the past uh, 20, 23 year, and that Disney underperformed big, and all the rest are secondary. Now, I don't know; they didn't really mention any of the others, so I don't know if that includes Apple Plus or or whatnot. I mean, they're they're kind of a little different, or Amazon Prime; they're kind of a little different. But oh, Amazon but, Prime just pissed a whole bunch, whole bunch of people off by saying they're going to start putting ads in their shows. Yes, yes. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> Yeah. Or pay two ninety nine a month to get rid of them. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you don't do that. You don't take what you've already got with no ads and then add a charge for ads. Right. Well, Especially Netflix when you're already... started doing it, but they started doing it at a cheaper rate. Right, a, not... a lower tier, not the current right. tier. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, that's the thing. It should be the current tier. If, if you just create a lower tier where you can get it for cheaper, you just got to – have a couple of ads. The problem is they don't have a prime membership that's lesser. They have right, one right. prime membership and you get prime viewing with it. Yeah. They're trying to add in an extra charge so they can keep the prime membership at one fee. Right. Well, maybe they need to do more of a um, mixed bag where you can choose which features you want and which you don't want from your prime. True. They're going to go that route. But 
back to what you were saying, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So Netflix, uh, no matter whether you love them or hate them, um, they're they're the quote unquote big big boy on on the block, as you were saying, Mike. So, well, so my point is point. maybe so, so so they may have way more money that they're spending. Uh, they're also doing far, far more shows probably than any of the other streaming services. But as I was saying, so we were, we were just watching um, the season three of The Witcher, and you know what The Witcher has in pretty much every episode? Monsters. Monsters. And not yep. cameos for 15 seconds. Um, now, there's still a lot of putting away. You know, there's they're not on the screen per se for five minutes, but they might be in a five-minute scene centered on that monster so it feels like they're there for a longer period of time um so you know it's you you could do it if you want to spend the money it's certainly the technology is there to make it in a way that i guess is affordable um because it's like i said the witcher is doing it and the witcher has been doing it for three seasons and they've always found a way to make an effective monster and some episodes are more monster heavy than others but but they can do it, so I, I think they could probably afford to feature the monsters a little bit more in the series than they have been. It's I guess kind of my point, right? In 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 in, the, in this right where we've had you know a couple episodes where uh, one episode where there was I, where I don't think there were any monsters one episode where all the monster footage was recycled Godzilla footage um, and and then other times where it's just you know, very brief glimpses of monsters like the, the, the dragon at the end of episode 2 right right I, I'm still and, and you, you kind of brought it up earlier Mike I, I don't understand the the May character at all and her point. I mean, I get that they at least made something about her character linked back to how uh, the corporation got what they got, and and that you know links back to the movies in the MonsterVerse. But besides that, her character has no significance at all. And I, like you said, why is he even in Kazakhstan? It's just all terrible. It's it's just well there. Again, I'm not I'm not being facetious when I say it. it's literally. I think a lot of it is just is diversity, right? Is that they they yeah. this is this has been a thing. It's not new. It's it's it got a different face on it than it used to. Where it used to be, we need to have a mother figure, a father figure, and a child figure in every show because we want moms and dads and children to watch the show. Now it's well, we think that people will only watch the show if you know they see people who look like them in the mirror. Well, well then, and, then why and do therefore. You th- yeah. We're going to right. make sure there's there's whites and blacks and Asians in there. We're not going to worry so much about Polynesians but, but, uh, or, Med- or Mediterranean. In but but what, what's – yeah, no kidding, right? The, the heck with everybody else. Even even the Latino was ignored in this show. But what the, what about what they did in Jurassic World or Park, I should say, where they made uh, um, Jeff Goldblum's character, his daughter, um, um, I, I guess uh, – a mixed mixed interracial, so half white, half black, and yeah. and they could have just done that, and and you had um, the lead actress instead of having her there, had May play that character, you know, and and there you go, you, you got it, and, and oh, because but no, but you want to have a love interest, and so yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so we have a love that we who she's a love interest for, uh, <laughs> who knows, yeah, both of them, uh, 
Yeah, whoever whoever the uh, whoever is convenient at the time, um, yeah. because again, that's another demographic you want to you want to attract to your show, and it is it is a, it is the business model that they're dealing with, and um, yeah, I I don't care. I I I would used to argue like that I that there should be you know a more diverse system of hiring that there's lots of great you know black Asian uh, Hispanic. Uh, Mediterranean, Middle Eastern, whatever Arabic, Persian actors out there that could do the role if, you know, with very few exceptions, you know, where you actually need, you know, you're not having, uh, a, you know, if you're you know, casting a historical figure or someone where race actually matters, um, most of the characters are very interchangeable. Just give the audiences a chance um, and let the, and you, you don't have to, to do this, but now it's, it's, you could Peel the, the box checking with a lot of these, um, where it feels like, okay, did we get the character who checks off this ethnic group? Do we get the character who checks off this ethnic group? And by the way, I'm going to throw white males also as part of one of those that you have to have one of those in there also. Um, you know, so um, they, they're trying to get everybody in, but rather than getting characters that are appealing and finding the best actor for the job, they're they're trying to do everything. To appeal to specific demographics in a way that, to me, often feels cynical. As and it feels to completely forced because, first of all, the character has no significance otherwise, and there's no way someone who had to flee and not see their family for over two years would just, after finally able to see them again, just leave again after less than a day. It was just, not, not without some sense of urgency, right? There has to yeah. be something, right. I would think, to pull them away. Uh, right. But yeah, no, I agree. And, no, and, no. and, you know, her packing stuff has not really played much at all except the very beginning to the show, so her importance in her skill set isn't even important either. So it's just, yeah, it, it just feels forced. It's weird. I know I've talked about the, the the YouTube channel pitch meeting, and one of the common recurring memes is as they're pitching the movie, it's like, and then they're going to fall in love. Why are they going to fall in love? Well, because they're the leads. That makes sense. You know, sometimes <laughs> that's it. Right. Why, why are they going to continue on this mission? Well, because there are leads. Okay. We don't have to know anything more about it than that. There are lead characters, and our lead characters are going to continue to be part of the story because there are lead characters, and we can't possibly change leads in the middle of the story. Um, so are they're going to remain our leads? You know, we're, we sign them under contract. We're paying them. Of course, we're going to use them as our leads. It, it, right. it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense to me. Um, but this is again giant monsters, monsters beating on each other. Hopefully, by the end of the show. Yeah. Um, so I, I do know one of the one of the trailers, and I know Phil, you're 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 an anti-trailer guy. Uh, we do see two of the monsters that have appeared in the show on screen together. So you know we we might get a kaiju battle before this is all said and done. Right, and that would be pretty good. Yeah. Or or you'll see the two kaiju appear on screen, and then it'll say to be continued. Yeah, like they did with Halo, those bastards. And even with Halo, they they just show in a like a dream sequence that they're all on Halo. It's not even yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah when is that starting again? Um, I think it's March or February. Okay. It's coming up quick though. Yeah. Jeez. 
And we'll figure that out. Hey, let me, let me check that. Halo 2. Let me see. Halo. Sorry to bore our listeners while I look this up. Season 2 date. Return. February 8th. Oh, my God. It's immediate. It's coming <laughs> All right, so we'll have to got to be ready, yeah. Yeah, we got to start prepping. Start prepping. Yeah. Oh, the AI for Google is already popping up here, or Bing, actually. It says, the second season of the popular show, Halo, will premiere on Thursday, February 8th, 2024, on Paramount+. Plus. The season will consist of eight episodes and will continue the story from the first season. The first two episodes of the season will be released on the same day, with subsequent episodes streaming every Thursday to the season finale on March 21st, 2024. Damn, time is flying already. Imagine it. It's nuts. And it's only January 2nd. If, if we're almost to the quarter mark. Damn. <laughs> anyway. Um, anything else on this episode of Birthright? Not for me. Yeah, I'm good. What about you, Mike? No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. All right. Fair enough. All right, so um, next week is called Axis Monday, and uh, we'll be recording that uh, probably back to our normal time of uh, Monday, so Monday the 8th, and this was coming, and it's coming out mon- uh, January 5th, Friday the 5th, so we'll record it the 8th, if that works for everybody, and then we'll uh, release it the 9th, uh, and then and that'll be the penultimate episode. Um, yep. And let's see what else. So that's all I got there. So uh, let's give our final thoughts on the episode, and then we can uh, talk about the Kaiju of the Week. Oh, actually, you know what? Let's do the Kaiju of the Week first. So, okay. All right. Yeah, Barrett. Barrett, what do you got? What do you got? It's your turn. Kaiju yeah, my, of the Week. My Kaiju this week is going to be the Cloverfield uh, Kaiju, which is named Clover. That's a good one. Yeah. I just like how much destruction it causes. It's... Kind of hard. I mean, you don't get good visions of it all the way through, but you do at the end get a pretty good peek at it. Um, I, I think it's a pretty neat monster. That that was that was a great film. I really yeah. liked that one. That that was one of the most entertaining um, films we ever did for the Dark Discussions podcast, and I, I've rewatched it numerous times since. Um, and then uh, uh, the monster it was pretty awesome. The, the, the the drama, it, it wasn't soap opera. Had enough character development that that was pretty good too. So it, it was a good film, and and the monster was pretty awesome, especially with all the little fleas that fell off it. Yeah, that's what I liked the most were the little fleas that fell off of it. That were monsters in their own right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what's interesting about that? It was believable in my eyes that the kids would actually go up a building that's tipping over to try to save someone versus the the kids in this film or or not none of the kids that they're, they're all they're all they're all adults adults yeah, yeah. They're, young they're adults, adults but adults all the same in this one where they went up the building and went into the quarantines it just didn't feel believable but Cloverfield when they did the kids did it in that. And they went through the subways and they did all that. That all was believable. It was good. That was a great film. Yeah, but another one that people complain that you don't see the monster enough. Yeah, they maybe you're right. I never even thought of it. I, you know, I, I, but you, but it always felt there. It, it always felt 
that. That's what I felt about it. Yeah. 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 It, was, it, well, was see, like, it, it was like Alien from 1978 or whatever it was that you always knew it was there. Even Hello? We lost him again. He started fading out. All right, a little technical difficulties, but I'm back. But but like an alien, you always knew it was there, and it was foreboding and all that. And yeah, a lot of dread. Yeah, dread. I, felt, I felt that too. Even though you're right, Mike, there's always going to be the the person that went. I wanted to see the monster, but as a whole film, that was a great film. And, and well, and I've said this there. before, I think, um, on the Dark Discussions podcast, but I I swear, and I know memory isn't reliable um, all the time. But I kind of remember a, an interview with Quentin Tarantino where he said that he would love to do a Godzilla film from the perspective of the man in the street. And that's pretty much what Cloverfield is. Uh, and by the way, that is also kind of what the 2014 Godzilla film is because Gareth Edwards specifically um, avoided using any camera angles that couldn't have been feasibly done by a person there. Um, and... Uh, and that was just to give you a sort of forced perspective, and 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 that's and I think that's what worked well with with Cloverfield is doing that sort of uh, because it's found footage, uh, it makes sense, but doing it uh, in a way that really puts you in the, the 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 seat of someone who is dealing with that terror at that moment in a way that no kaiju film that I was aware of it had ever done really before. That's a fair like, point. What would, what would it be like to be one of those poor bastards who's about to be stepped on? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and, we, and, you know, searching for their, her, his girlfriend or, or and all this other stuff. I mean, I, it was, it made sense. It didn't, it didn't sound fake. It didn't feel fake. Right. Well, Godzilla films, which are pretty much what we're talking about here, or Gorgo, or Beast from, you know, 10,000 Fathoms or, or King Kong. And, it's easy to make fun of it and have fun with it, and we all like the chaos and we all like the the, the destruction and the monster battles. Uh, and and you know you can make jokes about all the Japanese people running away from Godzilla. And uh, in reality, that would be some not only some really scary shit, but after it's over, um, people people would be seriously traumatized. There would be massive damage. To whatever to Tokyo or whatever the city is um, that that people would have to deal with, and uh, I, and Cloverfield's the first one I think to really kind of deal with that or address that dramatically and, and entertainingly. It wasn't preaching to us about how wrong it is to enjoy all the devastation, and destruction in a kaiju film. Um, but yeah, that was that's what made it a blast for me. Absolutely, it was a good one. Um, and uh, oh, and I loved how in a random end of shot we see it land in the ocean in the background, and that's how it arrived. And I noticed that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to watch it again. Yeah, now you have me want to watch it again. <laughs> I don't own it actually. I need to own it. I don't know what I'm thinking. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I got it on. Uh, disc. I, I actually got it on DVD, and then I bought it 
on Blu-ray. The DVD we had an extra disc too, like the because it was like all the cut stuff and stuff. But then I bought the Blu-ray because it was only like you know eight dollar Walmart bin or five dollar Walmart bin or something. And uh, yeah, so it's a good one. And I'm sure it's free available everywhere too. It has to be, you know, it's got to be. But anyway, all right. So that's the Kaiju of the week. Oh, that's good. So Mike, you're up next. I, I know what I'm picking. Excellent. Uh, and yeah. I don't know that anyone's going to get it because it's technically never been in a movie or TV Ooh. series. Oh, interesting. Now I'm I'm very. Oh, it could be from a comic book then, or or a no. novel, a novel then. No, it's 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 people know what it is when I mention it. It's just as a kaiju, people don't necessarily know it. it, it gotcha, gotcha. No, that's fair. I, I did that with with the Jason and Argonauts, you know, Talos. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of something that wasn't what anyone would expect. <laughs> yeah, that that was a really good one. Excellent job, Bert. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah. American kaiju. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I, and I was about to say modern, but believe it or not, it's, it's like a twenty-year-old film now. <laughs> it was like two thousand and eight. Oh yeah. Yeah. Two thousand eleven, something like that. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, yeah. So I, I was at trivia tonight with uh, my fr- friends and, and kids before the podcast, um, and one of the questions was, uh, "Who was the villain in the 1997 film that had a skinless cat? I mean, a hairless cat named uh, Mr. Bigglesworth?" And, and the answer, answer is, is uh, Doctor Evil from um, Austin Powers. But the thing that was horrifying to me was that film was from 1997. It's just like nuts. <laughs> Seems like it was yesterday. It right, does. and it's weird because that's from very early in my teaching career, and I remember the students quoting that film incessantly. That and anything yeah. that had Jim Carrey in it, and you know, it's just it's now I'm close to being able to retire. You know, it's just, so that, means, <laughs> those, that means those films are close to being able to retire. Um, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Seriously, yeah, my brother's now t- telling me that he's he's, he's going to probably retire and, and move up back up to uh, New England from Tennessee within the next twelve months. And I was like, damn, that makes no well, sense. Yeah. Well, we talked very early on in the Dark Discussions podcast because at the time that we started, remakes were the rage. Um, you had like the, the Friday the 13th remake and the, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake had just come out and, um, yeah. and we agreed, right, that you needed to have about 20 years between uh, the original and the remake. Well, Jesus, I mean, the Dark Discussions podcast has been going for 12 years. 20 years, you're talking about 2004. Um, what movies would that, and that means everything from the 90s is fair game. Yeah. But anyway, all right. So uh, let's get our final thoughts on Birthright. So uh, let's start with you, Bert. Um, the more we talked about it, the more meh I am about it. Um, it, I, hmm, I don't know. I'm not. The where we're leading is making me less excited about the the show on the whole. Um, I I'm just worried about where it's going to go and. 
I, I feel like my excitement from the beginning has just been lagging and lagging and lagging more, and I feel penultimate is can only let me down at this point. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, for me, uh, yeah, I, like I said at the beginning, it was you know okay, it was it is what it is. A lot of things bothered me about it, but um, you know I, I've already come to peace with the type of show this is. And it wasn't one of the worst episodes, even though it had some flaws and things that bothered me. Uh, but now that uh, we talked about the ending and it didn't occur to me until Mike brought it up that some of our characters are going to be in the hollow earth. I was like, oh, I don't I didn't believe they were going to go there. I was hoping they would retcon that whole thing out of the whole monster verse, <laughs> you know, I mean, but yeah, so that's, I'm, I'm not sure where it's going to go, but if we see monsters, at least I'll be at least okay. Even if a lot of things um, happen that are kind of stinky with the plot and with the characters, but as long as we get monsters in the next two episodes. So this one was uh, decent enough. Uh, so yeah. And uh, Mike, what do you got? Yeah, uh, I I like the episode. Um, you know, sometimes there's just not a lot there in the dissection. A lot of it comes across in the things like the dialogue or the performances, um, the direction um, that aren't just pure story points to check off. And so I think I, you know, I was I certainly was enjoying it while I was watching it. And, and all these things that I point out were things that I had an issue with as I was watching it. And if I criticize the the story for where it is and, and like, the, the lapses, it's because I think they could do better. Um, these feel like uh, unnecessary or lazy shortcuts or, you know, like, they didn't really figure out the stuff that they should have done beforehand. Um, there are certain things I expect them to be crap, and I and I think the show is, is shown when it's good. Like, like I said, it feels like the 50s stuff is being written by somebody different than the the 2015 crew. Uh, I think when the show is good, it shows how good it can be. And um, it's disappointing when it, when it doesn't live up to its own standard, but we are getting to the point for those of us who grew up in the 1980s where we had no way to, uh, uh, to record our TV shows uh, before VHS became readily available where we're watching the show and we're really into the show and we're looking at the clock and we see that it's now 8.55 and you know there's just, God damn it, no way they're going to get this whole thing resolved. And you're like, fuck, they're going to make this a two-part. I'm going to have to wait till next week and hope I get home from, <laughs> and hope I get home from Aunt Margaret's birthday party in time to watch what happens. Um, and that kind of feels like the same thing. It's like, I get, it just feels like no way they're going to wrap this whole thing up in one episode. And they're going to just leave us hanging. And that, that, that's my anxiety over this. And, you know, I, and I don't want to have to wait two years, three years, you know, to find out what happened. Because something like this, you know, is going to cost a ton of money to, and, and take time. And who knows who survives? Like, are they bring, going to be able to bring Kurt Russell back? And hell, will Kurt Russell even still be alive in three years? Uh, Anyway, that's, so, so that that's where my criticism comes in. But I'm not going to lie. Um, if if you're going to Hollow Earth, um, 
Look, I'm sorry. You've held off. I think I've been fairly forgiving about the relative lack of monster stuff. I've been very happy with the little crumbs and morsels you've been giving me up to this point. You're going into Hollow Earth. You're going, you know, it's like if you told me you're going to Skull Island. Well, now I want to, I, now, fuck you. There's no excuses. I want to see the monsters. I want some decent monster stuff in the next episode. Or you have not been trying. You, you've just been lying to us and stringing us along for no reason. I want the payoff now. Sure, sure. Yep, makes sense. All right, so uh, that was our discussion for uh, Birthright. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, we do have the email, darkdiscussions at AOL.com. Just put Kaiju and then whatever your subject is in the subject line. Uh, so we will find it and it won't get lost within all of our screener and spam emails that we get. Um, and we will read it on the podcast, as I just mentioned. Um and you can join us on the Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. Just search for that. And uh, you can listen to us on various other podcasts. Uh, so uh, let's go through those for a moment. Uh, so, uh, Mike, what's the, the main podcast and what's that all about? The main podcast is the Dark Discussions Podcast, your source <laughs> for, all, for horror, film, fiction, and all that is fantastic. Dark Discussions is past over 600 episodes, almost all of which are available free online for you to stream. And it's been going since 2011, so holy shit, we're starting our lucky 13th year. Uh, oh, God. Sorry, I just pulled a muscle. There we go. Trying to just think back that far. And, um, yeah, so you're welcome to enjoy it, to join the three of us and uh, co-host Eric Webster. Uh, and as we discuss new movies in our next episode, uh probably by the time you listen to this, is going to be our year in review for the year of 2023. So if you want to hear us fight over why uh, Cocaine Bear is not the best movie of the year or why it is the best movie of the year, which we all know it is, um, then please catch us there. Yep, that's right. Uh, the, the podcast is a weekly podcast, and that episode is available. It came out January 1st at 12.04 a.m. And, uh, yeah, so absolutely. And then, uh, Barrett, what's that other podcast that me and you do that uh, we have a rotating group of other co-hosts? What's that one all about? Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. It is everything that Dark Discussions is not. We do everything on that podcast. Anything that Dark Discussions won't do, we might. All right. And, uh, Mike, what's that podcast that me, you, and co-host Eric uh, from the other Dark Discussions podcast uh, do on the side? Yeah, so that was uh, that cinema a la carte, which started as an argument about bring certain movies that were not not dark discussions materials and whether we should be discussing non dark discussion films in dark discussions. And so that sort of turned into a spin off podcast where you and Eric and I take turns picking and choosing a not quite random film, but a film that we would like to discuss. And it could be almost anything. And we've discussed uh, Hostel, which was a Western, we've discussed Inside Out, which was a cartoon. We've discussed Collateral, which is a thriller. Uh, we've discussed uh, Starlet, which is a drama. Uh, we've discussed uh, A Sign Adventure, which is a disaster film. And we've discussed uh, Forbidden Planet, which is a science fiction film. So we're even all over the place. And it's really no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, or Risky Business, which we just did recently, which, of course, is an 80s sex comedy. Um, it's just a matter of what strikes our fancy, and we have a sports movie on deck. So, 
yeah, so that's that's the uh, Cinema a la Carte podcast. All right, sounds good. Um, and uh, I guess the last one, uh, Barrett, what was that podcast that me, you, Sean, Fox, and Kevin Let's just wrapped up? And they're already oh, uh, talking about uh, the their uh, storyline for season two. It's it's all over the place now. But go on. Oh, a Hancock and the One Piece is the name of the podcast. The show is One Piece. Uh, in my opinion, the best show of 2023. It will be on my list if that is one of the things that is on the sheet when you actually send it to us. All right, sounds good. All right, <laughs> so let's give our uh, – well, actually, there's nothing else to give. So let's uh, pretty much wrap it up. Uh, so with all that stated, Barrett, why don't you lead us out? Thanks for joining us on King of Kaiju as we reviewed the episode Birthright of Monarch uh, Legacy of Monsters. Join us next week when we review the penultimate episode of the show. Monarch was there in San Francisco. When the whole city was coming down, these guys were taking pictures, like they'd been waiting for it. You think that your father was working for them? This stuff wasn't a safe. Who are they? What's Monarch? This is the world we live in. Monsters are an inescapable reality. Those files belong to us, and they are more important than you could possibly imagine. This is going to give me nightmares. Now, you can choke down that monarch lie. About your father disappearing. Or we can find out what really happened. Before it's too late. Oh my god, go, go, go! This world, it's not ours. Believe me. It is so much more vast than we could possibly imagine. These monsters and monarch taken everything from me. No more. The world is on fire. If you want to save millions of lives, we can use some help. 